Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bardic Inquisition podcast. First up, a couple of pieces of news. I wanted to apologize for last week. I did not record a show last week because uh, I got sick, actually. And uh, yeah, so no recording got done. Fret not, I am back, I am feeling great, and I will continue to try to put out an episode every single week, but that brings me to my second announcement. I have decided, and you may have guessed this based on the title of the episode, but I'm gonna go just more broad, more general nerdism, and less just D&D. Um, I just, I felt like talking about D&D every week was a little bit too limiting, and there were some subjects that I wanted to talk about, but I was kind of waiting for these kind of off-bonus episodes to talk about them. But honestly, uh, there's a lot that I'm excited about. You guys are going to get that now. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and kick things off with a subject that is near and dear to my heart, This has been a game that I have played since I was a teenager and have continued on and off to play pretty much to this day. That's right, everyone. We're talking about Magic the Gathering. What is Magic the Gathering? For starters, it is a collectible card game where you play as a planeswalker, a powerful wizard with the ability to travel across the multiverse, and you are fighting other planeswalkers. In a typical game of Magic, you have a deck of cards that you have made beforehand and around 20 life, and your opponent has the same. You might have one opponent or several opponents. And based on which format you are playing, you may even have allies. You see, one of the crazy things about Magic the Gathering is its massive card pool. With around 23,000 different cards out there, there have been a lot of different formats. For example, one format, Standard, only uses cards from the last couple of years, whereas a different format called Commander might use cards from across Magic's history, but you can only have one of any given card in your deck. Yeah, Magic's been around for about 30 years, so of course it's had time to grow and adapt. In fact, let's go ahead and get into that history and talk about where this crazy game came from. Magic the Gathering was invented in 1991 by a man named Richard Garfield as an alternative pitch to a game that he initially came to Wizards of the Coast with called Robo Rally. However, 
Wizards of the Coast said that RoboRally sounded great, except it was too expensive to make. You see, Wizards was a very small company at the time, so they didn't have a lot of resources for making big expensive games with a lot of moving parts. So, they gave Richard about a week to come back to them with a different idea. So, the idea that he came back with was a card game that he called Five Magics. Wizards of the Coast wasn't really crazy about the name Five Magics, so they just called the game Magic, but after a little bit of legal advice, telling them that they couldn't just copyright the word magic, they changed it to Magic the Gathering. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Wizards of the Coast was a small gaming company, so they didn't really have a lot of money to make the game. So Peter Atkinson, the head of Wizards of the Coast, did a little bit of finagling, and at the Origins Game Fair in 1993, he showcased Magic the Gathering to investors. This ended up being fairly successful, and he ended up making out with about $40,000 to begin production on the game. In August of that very same year, at Gen Con in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Magic the Gathering made its premiere. Now, despite a one-day shipping delay, Magic the Gathering was massively successful, and Wizards of the Coast ended up completely selling out of their entire stock that they had brought with them to Gen Con. They actually ended up selling out fairly quickly of their stock that they had sent out to the game stores as well. And in fact, at first, Wizards of the Coast was afraid to advertise the game because the small gaming company simply could not keep up with the demand. And honestly, it shows, because since its release 30 years ago, Magic has released over a hundred different sets, not including supplemental products like Commander decks and collector's products like From the Vault. And the game continues to be successful. And if you've ever played Magic the Gathering, you might have an idea why. But if you haven't, don't worry, because up next, I'm going to tell you how to play Magic the Gathering. As I mentioned earlier, in a game of typical magic, you start out with a life pool of 20 life and a deck of cards. This deck is typically around 60 cards. It's different in some formats, but most use a 60 card deck size. So the goal of the game is to take your opponent's health from 20 life points to 0 life points before they do that same thing to you. As a side note, there are other ways to win, but that's the main one. Typically, at the start of a game, a player is chosen to go first, and then both players draw a hand of seven cards. After seeing your opening hand, you may choose whether or not you want to keep it. 
Now, keep in mind, you can choose to shuffle and redraw seven cards, but for each time you do this, you're going to have to put one card from your hand onto the bottom of your deck. Now, there are a lot of different card types in Magic the Gathering, but there's two major overarching types that I want to talk about. The first type is lands. Lands are the cards that you use to produce mana, which you then use to play your other cards, known as spells. Each turn, you can lay down one mana, and to use it, you simply tap it, or turn it sideways. This process, of course, leads you to playing smaller spells in the early game, and then later, more expensive spells in the late game when you have more lands out. Now, each basic land has a type and color affiliated with it. White is represented by planes. Islands represent blue mana. Swamps represent black mana. Mountains represent red mana, and forests represent green mana. And this is all relevant when considering the costs of the next card type I want to talk about, spells. Now, these come in a variety of types, and some of them stay out on the board and have certain effects, these being either creatures, planeswalkers, artifacts, or enchantments, while others, like instants and sorceries, you play once and then send straight to the discard pile or graveyard. And these will typically have a printed cost up in the top right corner of the card. And this will typically look something like a number two in a gray circle, followed by a little water droplet symbol on a blue circle. And what this would mean in this example is that the two could be any mana. You could use red, black, green, white, or blue, for the two, and then the blue mana symbol has to be blue mana. So, altogether, you're going to spend about three mana for this example, and one of it has to be blue. So, great, now you know how to cast a spell, kind of. Let's go over the spell types that I mentioned. The first type I want to talk about is the creature. This is typically most people's way to win the game of magic. These cards are a little bit unique in the fact that they have attack and defense, or power and toughness. The attack, or power, is how much damage that the creature does when it is engaged in combat, and the defense is basically like their life points. It's how much damage they can take before they die. And if a creature dies, they go to the graveyard. But as for actually casting them, you pay the mana cost, you lay out the creatures, and on the first turn, they can't do anything. They have something that's called summoning sickness. Think about it like this. Imagine you are living your normal life, going about your day, and then suddenly a portal appears and you drop off into the middle of a battlefield. You would probably need a minute or two to adjust. But after that initial awkward turn, the creature can eventually engage in combat but I will get to that when I explain the phases of the turn. Next up, we have Planeswalkers. These are very powerful and are usually rare or mythic. How they work is once per turn during your turn, you can choose to activate one of their abilities. Now, they start out with a number called Loyalty, and this will be printed down in the bottom right corner of the card. And these abilities will either add or subtract a number to their loyalty, and it'll show on the left side of the card. You'll be able to tell. As for artifacts and enchantments, typically you'll just play these, you'll lay them out on the battlefield, and they will have some kind of 
passive effect. Now, some you might attach to, say, a creature, and in the case of enchantments, these are called auras. In the case of artifacts, these are called equipments, and typically you will have to lay them out, and then they'll have a separate equipment cost that you pay in addition to put them on a creature once they're on the battlefield. Now, as for instants and sorceries, these are relatively simple. You just play them once, they have a one-time effect, and then they go to the graveyard. In the case of sorceries, you can only play them on your turn, but instants are interesting in the fact that you can play them on your opponent's turn. But that is all of the card types. So how do you win with these? Well, great question. Let's move on to the phases of the turn. First, you have the beginning phase, and this consists of three smaller phases called the untap, upkeep, and draw phases. Untap is fairly straightforward. You basically take everything that you had that you used last turn or on your opponent's turn, and you untap it. That means you take it from being sideways and turn it straight up and down so that you can use it again. Upkeep is typically not relevant unless you have a card that says, hey, on your upkeep, do this. Otherwise, you don't really do anything. And draw, again, is straightforward. You basically just draw the top card of your deck and put it in your hand. After that is the main phase, and you actually get two of these, one before combat and one after combat. This is typically the phase where you're going to play your one land for the turn and cast any spells that you want to cast. But after your first main phase, you move into combat. Combat works kind of like the beginning phase in that it's got smaller phases in it. The first one is called beginning of combat. This is like the upkeep in that it doesn't matter unless you have something that says, at the beginning of combat, do this thing. Then we have declare attackers step. This is where you declare any creatures that you're going to attack with. Typically, you'll turn them all sideways, and I usually push them forward towards my opponent to show that they're attacking. And then we move forward to declare blockers step. During this step, the opponent looks at all the attacking creatures and declares which creatures they are blocking and what they are blocking with. Just a couple of notes here. They cannot block with a tapped creature, and they can always block one creature with multiple creatures, but you can't block multiple creatures with only one creature. The way that I think about this is if there are two guys running in different directions, one person can only block one of those guys, but if there are two guys standing there waiting for one guy to charge through, uh, they can obviously both work together to block that guy. <laughs> After attackers and blockers have been declared, next comes the damage step. This is the math part. Any attackers that have not been blocked do their damage to the opponent's life. Any creatures that have been blocked do their damage to the creatures that blocked them. And any creatures that blocked do their damage to the creatures that they blocked. As mentioned earlier, any creatures that die as a result of this damage will go straight to the graveyard. And of course, there is an end of combat phase, which is, again, like the upkeep, not really relevant unless you have something that says it happens at the end of combat. As previously mentioned, there is a second main phase. This is the same as the first main phase. Nothing special here. Then you move to the end phase, which consists of two steps, but it's really only one. You have the end step, which is, again, not relevant unless you have anything that says at the end of your turn or until the end of turn. And any of those 
you know, trigger during that step. And then you have the cleanup step, and this one is actually relevant. During the cleanup step, any damage that a creature has soaked up during the turn goes away. They reset their toughness back to what they were at. And then any cards more than seven that you have in your hand, you have to discard. So if you have like 10 cards in your hand, you're going to have to choose three to discard. But after that, you pass the turn to your opponent. So while it sounds complicated, most turns will turn out like this. You'll untap your stuff, then you'll draw a card, then you will either play something during your first main phase or you won't. Then if you've got creatures, you will go to combat and attack or not attack. Then during your second main phase, you might choose to play something if you didn't during your first. Then you'll go to the end step and all the damage on your creatures will reset and you will discard down to seven cards if you have more than that. Play, of course, proceeds this way until somebody either reaches zero life points or if somebody runs out of cards to draw from their library. Because if you go to draw a card and you have nothing to draw, you lose the game. But this rarely comes up. And that's a rundown of how to play. But who is this game for and who does it appeal to? Well, let's talk about it. Simply put, this game is for anybody that enjoys a good strategy game. Anybody that enjoys collecting cards and testing out their ability to construct a really good deck. See, the thing with Magic is that while there is an element of random chance because you just don't know what you're going to draw, there's also an element of strategy, not just in the way that you play the game, but in the way that you construct your deck. Part of the beauty of Magic the Gathering is that there are so many different ways to play, and that different ways of playing appeal to different players. As an example, one of my favorite ways to play Magic is Booster Draft, where you basically sit down with a group of players and each of you brings three 15-card booster packs of Magic the Gathering. Each person then opens up one of their packs, picks a card out of it, and passes the rest of the pack to the player to their left. That player then picks up that pack, picks a card from it, and continues passing it along left. This continues until the first round of packs is gone. After that, everyone opens up their second pack, and this time picks a card and passes to the right. This of course works the same way the first round does and this trend continues until that pack is gone. Then with everyone's third pack, they repeat the same process but passing back to the left again. Until eventually you are left with a pile of about 45 or so cards that you have personally chosen out of a group of booster packs. You use this pile in combination with basic lands that usually at least one of the players has provided, and you construct a 40-card deck. And that is the deck that you play your games of Magic with. And then, of course, there is another popular format called Commander, where you pick a legendary creature to be your commander for the deck, 
During play, this commander sits off to the side, and you can cast it anytime you've got the mana for it. The rest of the deck has to be in that commander's colors. It's a 100 card deck, and you can only use one copy of any given card in the deck, with the exception of, of course, basic lands. The starting life total in this format is 40 life, and typically it is played as a multiplayer format. These games can be pretty fun and can get pretty crazy. So, how do you get a hold of this stuff? Where do you go to get Magic the Gathering? Well, don't worry guys, I've got you covered. The very best way that you can accumulate your own magic cards, and I cannot stress this enough, is to find yourself a local game store. A lot of the times these stores will sell board games or D&D miniatures, and sometimes they'll even have magic events where you can go and play on Friday nights usually in store-held tournaments. Um, sometimes you'll have to have your own deck. But other times, you will have to basically purchase some packs, and it'll be something like Booster Draft, like I described earlier. And while you technically can get Magic cards on Amazon or even at your local Walmart, the reason I suggest supporting your local game store is because for a lot of players, that is the place where they go to play Magic. A lot of people, for one reason or another, can't really play at home, or maybe they don't have anybody to play with at home. So they kind of rely on these local game stores to have a place to play. And so if you can support the community of gamers, that's even better. But what if you don't have a local game store? Or what if you don't want to collect paper cards? Well, don't worry, because if you have internet access of any kind then you can play what is called Magic Arena. This is literally just Magic the Gathering, but on your laptop or on your smartphone. And the great thing about Magic Arena is A, the client is super smooth. They have really good graphics, and it's just an overall smooth experience to play Magic with. And B, they have a really good tutorial, and I actually recommend this for people that are new to Magic and want to get into it. It's a great way to learn, and it's a, just a great all-around game. But yeah, if you're curious, give it a shot. I would recommend starting with Magic Arena, and if you want to get into paper later, then great. Actually, a lot of local game stores, I don't know if they still do, but they at least used to give out something called a Welcome Deck, which is a free little 60-card deck, you choose one of the colors, and the other color is random, and it's a good little starter deck just for learning how to play. But that is all I've got for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and let's go ahead and move into the outro. Thank you guys very much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you guys got a lot out of it. 
And hey, if you want to support the show, I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Bardic Inquisition. And if you have any questions or comments about the show that you want to send to me, you can reach me at bardicinquisition at yahoo.com. And I do check my emails daily, so don't worry if you send me a question or a comment. I will get it within that day, and I will do my best to respond. And with all that said, I am out of here, guys. Thanks for listening, and hey, maybe try Magic the Gathering. 